is anyone else tired of things not being perfect? Because I'm there right now. I'm a little bit tired, I'm, I'm 47 years old, not too many times where it's just been like absolutely perfect. Like I just, I just love like one decade, like or just, or just, just one year, just one year where, where, where nothing really major goes wrong, where everything is just humming, where everything's just working out super, super well. Like just, just once, Lord, just once for a long period of time. That'd be great. That's what, anyone else? Would you like that? Just, uh, just a year where everything's perfect. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway. Little story, my, uh, my garage was looking really, really nice, like moving slowly towards perfection. Now, let me clarify, perfection for Darren is probably not perfection for you. If I don't have to do parkour in my garage to get the thing that I want, um, that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy. Um, so, you know, this room, I can see everything. It's all there. I can work out over here. I can fix things over here. There's a bunch of random stuff over there. Cool, cool, cool. No worries. And uh, I'm thinking this is looking pretty good. And so uh, a few months ago, my beautiful wife, who I love and adore, I do have permission to tell this story. Um, she says, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to stand on one of these little uh, side tables that we had. You know, like, so I'm just going to make it look great. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. No worries. Great. So she goes in the garage. I can hear the sander going, for like what seemed like a long time. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> the state of the garage after that, uh, because should have probably sanded it outside. <laughs> maybe, maybe not inside, because until the end of time, I'm gonna be finding things in my garage that have a very thick coating of sanding dust or whatever we call it. Like everything is, was the same colour in my garage. Like blue bikes, not blue anymore. You know, like the floor, everything. Everything was the same colour, had this coating on it. And I walked in and went, oh wow, this is cool. Great, great, great. It's gonna take a little while. Uh, I was thinking also that maybe this is a little bit tiny, maybe not, how God might have felt when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden because God's got this beautiful thing going on and uh, Adam and Eve are like, cool, cool, this is great, we're gonna eat this fruit, whoops, sin all of a sudden scattered throughout all of the garden, all of the earth now affected by sin. Whoa, everything's touched by it. There's a thick layer of sin on everything right now. Until the end of time, I'm seeing all the links now. Until the end of time, we're gonna be finding things that are touched by sin in our life. And almost nothing is perfect except for Reese's peanut butter ice cream. It's like, that's, I could eat the entire punnet. It's just so good. Um, there are a few other things I've picked up that are perfect. A child's smile, that's pretty perfect. A beautiful wedding, that's, that, you, you get there and you're like, oh, it's so good. Um, you know, when you're looking into your spouse's face when the waiter delivers a massive leg of lamb and roast, slow-cooked lamb. Remember doing that? That's, that's a pretty perfect moment, I gotta say. Um, you know, the opulescence that shimmers on the surface of a tear that wells up in a shepherd's eye as he marvels at the beauty of yet another Patagonian sunrise. Thanks, Bill Bailey. Like there, there are a few things 
that are perfect in this life, but maybe we need to be content with whatever comes our way. And we need to exist in the joy that comes with a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what we face. Because until the end of time, when Jesus re returns, we're gonna find that everything has been in infected and affected by sin. And that pain and suffering and grief and loss are sadly, but very really, a normal part of life on planet Earth uh, in this age. And so today, I just wanna help us to see how we navigate life um, help us to navigate life in the midst of pain and imperfection. Because you know what? Even in the king's domain, there is suffering. But we see that when Jesus is at the center of our lives, it makes sense. And the will of God can still be completed through us when Jesus is at the center. So two weeks ago, Andrew Yude, fantastic message talked about how Jesus had been scoffed at. People were offended at Jesus in his hometown. They were like, who does this guy think he is? Seriously. They had become too familiar with him. They didn't receive him for who he truly was. And then last week, Pastor Jez talked about when Jesus was like, okay, cool, no worries. I'm gonna keep going anyway. Regardless of the labels that you guys are putting on me, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm gonna continue doing that thing which the Father has purposed for me to do, no matter what. No matter what people think, no matter what people are saying, you know, the, 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 the talking behind your back, the murmurs, no, 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 who cares? I'm doing the thing that I was called by Jesus, by God the Father to do. He kept focusing on why He was here. So today, we're gonna read a very cool scripture about Jesus and then the death of John the Baptist. It's gonna get real awkward and weird in just a minute. So let me read. It's titled in my Bible here, John the Baptist Beheaded. So let's do it. You ready? All right, I'm reading the whole passage from verse 14 to 29. King Herod heard about this. He heard about Jesus and what Jesus had been doing. For Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. And others said, he is Elijah. And still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. Okay, we're in a series on Mark and this is the, the, like the next thing we're getting through. And from now, it's the story of what had happened, right? Right? For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and it had him bound and put into prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. Okay, bad idea. If you're gonna go and marry your brother's wife, that's just, anyway, let's, let's move on. Uh, who he married, for John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked 
to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask for, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once, the girl hurried into the king with this magnificent request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Okay. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. What a lovely picture. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came, took his body and laid it in a tomb. We should probably pray. God, I wanna pray that we today would be able to see, that we would be able to see something new something fresh, a revelation from you that God, each of us would be able to journey into greater healing, greater freedom, and greater transformation. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen, amen, awesome. So the start of this passage is news of what Jesus has been doing, all right? People are talking, Herod himself has taken notice, And then we get brought into the story of how Herod had arranged for John the Baptist to be brutally executed. And I'm reading it going, whoa, the man of God gets executed. This is a really encouraging story. The man of God's people can still experience horrible things in this life, right? Just like everybody else in the world, we are not excused from certain things that might affect us in this journey that we're on. But let me preface this with the necessary because God is really good. It's important that we underline this with this. God is good, He is perfect, He is filled with love, He is filled with with compassion towards you but he has two main goals for you. The first is that you get saved, that you understand that the cross of Christ was the doorway to relationship with him, that Jesus paid for your sin, he offers forgiveness to us and we get relationship and and, and we get to journey with God and have an eternity secured with him. Incredible, that's God's number one plan for all of humankind. The second plan is that we would become like Jesus. And once you're saved, God's first concern for you isn't your happiness. It's transformation. And that means that we go on these journeys of healing and growth and freedom. Sometimes they're horrible. Sometimes we have to face incredible challenges. 
so that we can grow and we can lean into God. And then maybe we'll be able to identify with somebody else who's also journeying through hardship. If you're writing notes today, just write this down. Number one, we need a new perspective on pain. Because John did all the right things and he got imprisoned and killed. But we think if I do all the right things, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be perfect. In fact, we, we think we're on this slow journey to more perfection and more goodness. Things are gonna get gooder if I keep being good. That's what we think. But here's, here's John the Baptist, he followed God and suffered. He was the Elijah figure who prepared the way for Jesus. Pretty important job, imprisoned dead. Whoa, he challenged the leaders of the day with truth. He sought to serve God with his entire life. He let Jesus come in and take his own disciples. Like this is an incredible guy. He was a vessel of God. He bore incredible fruit, lived an amazing life and even he imprisoned, executed. Like put in jail, that's not a good day. When you go to jail and they, you're in the dungeon, um, there probably wasn't very good food options down there. And then without trial, a guy comes in and says, hey mate, um, just need you to put your head down here. He's like, what's that big thing you're holding? You know, Don't worry about that, just need you to put your head down here. Just, um, yeah, it won't take long. Right, what reminds me in this story is so sobering. And it's that no one is exempt from pain and suffering. But we don't talk about it a lot in the church, right? No one's exempt from pain and suffering and death in this life. But also what we learn here is that a life lived with Jesus at the center, it's not a wasted life, no matter what happens. The pain that we experience in this life is a result of a few things. Firstly, it's a result of sin and sin's effects throughout the world and throughout time. It's like the dust that gets onto everything. Our own choices and decisions. For years I've said, I don't need the devil to screw up my life. I do a pretty good job of it by myself. <laughs> right? The free will of others affects us. The clashing of darkness, of the kingdom of darkness and light, that affects us. And everyone experiences pain. It is normal in this life. And yet somehow, I'm still so shocked when something comes around and I'm like, that's not right. This isn't how it's meant to be. I'm a man of God. You know, I'm a pastor. Hello, the world didn't get the memo. Now, you can avoid some pain in this life by acting in wisdom, by looking after your body, by looking after your relationships, by honouring God with your life. You can avoid a lot of pain. Chris uh, sent me a, a, a reel this week about a guy who's talking to God and he's like, oh, why do you always give me the harshest trials? And God's like, sorry, what? You have diarrhea because you ate an entire kilo of salad. Of, of what was it? A potato salad. You had an entire, it's like, oh, 
like you can avoid some pain in your life just by looking after yourself, right? But everybody experiences it. Everyone experiences pain, not diarrhea, pain. (laughs) Can I say a few things today? Pain does not mean you are not loved. And no pain doesn't mean that you're loved more. When things are going well, God's not like, oh, I love you so much now. He's always loving you so much. Right, stop waiting for a perfect life because you think that that's gonna be the proof that He truly, definitely does love you. He's planning on a perfect life for you for all eternity. So you you gotta start thinking about a few little trials that we go through, which really are like a, in comparison. Even if you're in the middle of heartache or sadness or depression or hardship right now, He loves you. Pain is not proof that God doesn't love you. And perfect isn't the proof that He does. He does always. Secondly, stop comparing what others have now with what you lack now. I don't have a spouse. I'm not on holidays in Europe. Love you, Mel. (laughs) Right? But this is what we do. We go, I don't have this. God, you gave them more than you gave me. That's not fair. You know what that is? That's missing the point. That's misdirected worship. Because what you're saying is, I need that to make me happy and everything that you are and everything that you gave is not enough for me. Stop comparing. Everything. Like if Jesus is the prize, everything else is a blessing. Can I say this? Sometimes we think we are suffering, but actually we're just waiting and waiting poorly. Sometimes we think we're suffering, but it's just because we didn't get what we ordered. And somebody else did. And you can see that, and you're jealous of that. That's not suffering. That's just waiting. Right? We, but, but we compare, and we get offended at God. You know, instead of actually embracing the life He already gave you. Instead of enjoying the things you have right now, we go, yeah, but I didn't get the thing. It's like we're we're kids at Christmas who we missed one thing on the list. And we go, Christmas is terrible. I hate Christmas. Anyone ever had a kid who did that? Yes. Aren't they fun days? Parents? Well, I didn't know until yesterday that you wanted that thing and now all of a sudden Christmas is a disaster. (laughs) That's how we behave with God. Well, life is a disaster because I didn't get the one thing that I wanted and person over here, well, they got twice. And now my life is ruined. It's not true. You got every, you got Jesus. You you got to live another day on this beautiful planet called Earth. Every single day is a blessing. 
every moment when you wake up and you, you take a breath, you just got a gift from God. When you realise that life on planet Earth is a gift, the salvation is a gift, that every day is a gift, you always got something to be grateful for. Even if you didn't get your big thing. And if the biggest prize is Jesus and you've already got Jesus, then any suffering that we journey through can be tempered with undeniable, unending joy. Stop comparing. Just run your race. Run your race. Not somebody else's race, yours. You know what I love? I love it when, uh, when Jesus is uh, it's in John chapter 21, verse 22. And Jesus is on, the, on the, uh, the beach having breakfast with a whole bunch of guys. And Peter's chatting with Jesus and they're, they're walking along. And Peter's like, hey, what about John? You said some stuff about John. And Jesus says to him, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Stop comparing everybody else's journey to where you are at right now on the timeline. You just follow Jesus. If God wants to bless someone else, let him do that. You follow Jesus. If someone's got less than you, well, you should be thankful and share. You keep following Jesus. Stop comparing your journey. Just follow Jesus. Number two, I need a motor. The story of John the Baptist is a confronting reminder that we're sometimes, of stuff that we believe about success and prosperity. Write this down. Am I here for Jesus or just good times? Some, some of the stuff we think about prosperity and success, it's not accurate. I definitely believe God wants us to prosper, but I definitely believe we're not excluded from pain at the same time. And like, I've, I've shared with you my motto in life, is no pain, no pain. Like, I hate, I hate hardship. I am the biggest whinger that I know. You know? I'm just such a whiner. But am I here for Jesus or am I here to get less pain? Do I truly want him or do I just want his blessings, his hand, his protection, his prosperity, his provision, or do I want Jesus? Like we see in Matthew 11, not the passage we're talking about today, but another passage talking about John the Baptist. And he's asking about Jesus' ministry. And he's saying, is Jesus, send this message to Jesus. Is he the one? Is he the one or should we expect someone else? Even in the midst of prison and terrible food options, John is considering Jesus. He's still focused on Jesus. He's all about Jesus. He can't stop thinking about Jesus. He was Jesus first, Jesus at the centre, Jesus at the front. And before this, when Jesus came teaching and preaching and his, his disciples are baptising other people, John's disciples are leaving John's troop and going to Jesus. And people are like, aren't you concerned about what's going on here? And he says this, he says, he must increase, I must decrease. John's life wasn't just connected to Jesus so he could get some flow on blessing. 
His whole existence was about Jesus. Jesus at the center. There were prophecies of John's birth, right? We know the prophecies about Jesus' birth, you know? We're about to talk about them for a whole month. It's gonna be awesome. I love Christmas, it's great. But there were also prophecies about John's birth. John is gonna be a man who prepares the way for Jesus. He's gonna have the spirit of Elijah. Whoa, that's massive. There are prophecies about what he was gonna be all into. He's gonna be about Jesus. And one of the fruit of the Spirit that we love so much is patience. But you know what actually patience is translated? Long suffering. I hate those versions of the Bible. Now find me a different one that says that patience is gonna be easy. Right? Patience isn't you being really calm while you wait for the microwave for 30 seconds. That's not patience, people. Look, I did so well. Give myself a star. Patience is long suffering. It's the ability to suffer long without lack of faith, without losing trust. The fruit of not giving up. How much, this is a, write this down maybe, how much am I prepared to keep following Jesus when it gets hard? Or in other words, how much is Jesus the center of my life? How much can I handle before I give up? Because I've done this journey long enough to see a lot of people give up. Give up on their marriage, give up on their ministry, walk away from Jesus. Like what's our pain tolerance level? You'll know because you'll start complaining. Am I prepared to live for Jesus no matter what happens? Or am I just in this for the good stuff? Because our salvation, our commitment to God, to the calling He's placed on our lives, it's gotta be deeper than the suffering we experience. John the Baptist was murdered because he lived for Jesus and offended someone. I've offended heaps of people. Probably most people in this room at least once. Thank you for your grace. Right? John was prepared to follow and obey God even if it meant living a dangerous life. He was all about Jesus. I love what Paul said in Philippians 1.21. He said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. For me to live, if I'm here on planet earth, it's Christ, Christ alone, Jesus alone. That's the only thing that's the, the most important thing in my life. Everything is Christ first. If you're writing notes, write this down. Number three, who's the main character? A commentary that we have access to uh, regarding this series and this book of Mark says this about this passage. The focus is on the suffering of John. John himself is always in the background. John's in the background of his own death story. I just find that so incredible, but also so typical of John. 
John's life was designed, prophesied, and lived for somebody else, not himself. John wasn't the main character of his life. That's, he lived for Jesus, he suffered for Jesus, he kept his focus on Jesus no matter what he went through. I can barely string two thoughts together if I'm going through hardship. I'm so fixated and focused on me and how I'm feeling and blah, 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 blah. I'm, you know, I've got everything in a knot. Everything's a, a mess and then it takes me at least six months, no, takes me at least a couple of days before I'm like, oh, it's a hardship. Jesus, you're awesome, great, cool. All right, I'm gonna move over here towards the joy area again. But I've just lived in the mess of the hardship for a long time before I even realize what's happening. I'm so focused on me that I forget that I, I shouldn't be the main character of my story. He should be. Is Jesus the center of your life? Or is he an, an add-on, an attachment? Is he a convenience? Jesus didn't die on a cross so that he could become a religious convenience. He died and rose again so that we would know him as Lord and Savior and friend. It's the greatest news the world's ever heard. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. How much am I prepared to live in the background of my own story? With Jesus as the main character, just like John. Because you know what, church, I think it's time. I've just loved the trajectory of where we've been heading in this series. I think it's time for us to go, Jesus, you need to be front and center of my life. Not me, not anything I'm experiencing, not my side hustle or, you know, or even the important stuff in life, but you alone need to be front and center, just like it was in John the Baptist's life. Because you know what? When Jesus is the prize, and we have that prize, we've received the prize. You've got it. It means that the mission can continue. And if we suffer because we're pursuing him with all our heart, all our life, then so be it. I'm gonna suffer. The goal of Christianity is not to suffer less. It's to follow Jesus with more, with everything. And you know what I was thinking this morning? Following Jesus with all my heart it makes my suffering make sense. It gives me a context. It gives me a framework. It gives me truth. It gives me understanding. And I, we haven't even talked about verses like, and we know, in all, you know that all things work together for good. There's so much in the Word of God that helps us to understand and frame our suffering. 